welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 201, 201. Happy to be on the other side of 200. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada, or wherever you are consuming your podcast. Certainly, we're on iTunes. How about a uh, review on iTunes? Can you give me a review on iTunes? Can you can you help out the podcast and give us a review? Because uh, those reviews are like Yelp. I mean, I'm telling you what, you, you know, you get good reviews, it kind of climbs up the ladder a little bit. So I would appreciate that. But it is show 201. I have to fix this underneath here, Michael. It's my first mistake of the show, and it won't be my last. But we are going to meet Michael Carter. He was supposed to be on uh, a week ago. We had some hurdles, uh, but we got through those hurdles, just like school administrators around the country are doing. And here we are live on Education Leadership Beyond. Uh, Michael Carter has a story to tell. He is an amazing school leader out in Oregon doing some great things. Uh, he's involved in their uh, state organization and uh, really looking forward to talking to him. He is an interesting dude, certainly with some cool shoes. Um, Today's sponsor is me. I'm sponsoring the show. It just came out, Tales from the Hardwood. I'm proud to announce this, proud to say it's on uh, Amazon, uh, and I am getting my copy soon that I'm, I'll be happy to sign for you, and uh, I hope they arrive before next week. I can bring Michael and his team some, but very proud of this book, very proud uh, of the stories in here, the experiences, and um, had some great people write some testimonials here. J.D. Collins is the National Supervisor of Officials. Uh, Jimmy Casas, a tremendous school leader, educator. Um, and Brian Kane is a mental performance coach. Um, so they uh, wrote some nice testimonials. It's out on Amazon. Check it out. Tales from the Hardwood, Surviving and Thriving. Uh, we're staying with this theme here and, the, and the, the little vignettes in there. So I hope you check that out. Let's get rolling. Show number 201. Uh, if you're watching live, jump in. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. I'd love for you to uh, uh, talk with Michael. I'd love for you to uh, get involved with the show. So, um, But today's opening comment, right? We're people people, right? We're educators. We're around people. We're around teachers. We're around parents. You can tell when you meet somebody, when you click, right? I had a great opportunity to meet Michael in person last week and also recently at the Wide Open Spaces. Uh, I mean, he's got presence. He has got a warmth, a smile. Uh, he immediately kind of uh, close sat next to me, just started talking, and we just hit it off. There was never, hey, tell me about yourself, or there didn't have to be an introduction. We just got chit-chatting. Uh, Michael, I would share something, and Michael was able to relate, right? He said, why? And, and he added to the conversation. There was just a warmth, and, and it made me think about him and his school leadership that it's important that we find connections in other people. Uh, I recommended to uh, my group that we met out there in Oregon about uh, the blog, The Leadership Freak. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Michael, but his blog today was about connecting with people, uh, people and, and how you do that. And Michael did that in such a natural way uh, when I met him and I compliment him. And uh, um, it's, just a, it's just a cool deal. So. Uh, you know, think about your relationships. Think uh, think about your communication with people. And uh, enough of me chit chat. Let's get rolling with two hundred one. We're going to bring Michael into the program. Michael, finally, hey. welcome. Well, welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm disappointed I'm not number two hundred, but hey, I'm happy to be on two hundred one. <laughs> that's on the way to a thousand. So I'm looking forward to your thousand show. I want you. I want to be back for that one. 
What, why did I wait so long? Why, why, why did I wait to 200 times? Well, I, I think that's okay. I think because I've, I've watched some of the others. It's been great. So, no, I'm, I'm very honored to be on here. And congratulations on your new book. I also loved your old one. So fascinating. If you haven't read it, make sure you get that one. That's fabulous. And some of your conferences there. But I'm looking forward to reading the new one. Awesome. Well, you might be show number 201, but you're definitely in the top five of best dressed. Uh, <laughs> look at, looking sharp here on the program. It's, it's a clip-on. It's a clip-on. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Michael Carter, Superintendent uh, 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 Lake. I don't want to say. I want to say it right, Michael. Lake County School uh, in Oregon. Michael, tell us regionally where are you, and tell us a little bit about Lake County. Yeah, it's the southeast part of the state of Oregon, and Oregon's the tenth largest geographic state. People forget that. Uh, Lake County School District is ten thousand square miles. You know, with uh, I always uh, eight between eight and ten. You look at some of the uh, slides here. And we have 2 million cows and, you know, less than 10,000 people. So we got a lot of ranching out here. It's beautiful country. We're about three and a half hours from Reno. We're three hour, three and a half hours from Bend. And we're about three and a half hours from Medford. So um, we're in a nice place. It's beautiful. Um, the people are great. Um, very down to earth people. And they're also, you know, uh, common sense is, is, is not a bygone era. It's that people really still value that here. And Michael, you're doing some great things uh, there uh, in Lake County. You know, your first year uh, in your superintendent, you had changed schools. Coming into a new place, you know, what were some of the things that, that you were intentional about doing, Michael, as well as intentional about not doing uh, when you arrived there in Lake County? Well, the nice thing about it is we, um, we were the largest school district in Oregon to stay open the entire time during COVID. So we intentionally had planned some stuff. I had worked in another district for 20 years. I was on the governor's planning commission and stuff for the COVID. We were since end of February. We wound up closing schools in Oregon on the 16th of March of two, you know, of the year. And what we did then was um, I was able to bring some of the experience I had, you know, from uh, those committee works with the state and everything and the small Oregon Small School Association. I'm the executive director for that. So working with those committees and working with different superintendents, we were able to be the pilot pretty much, um, you know, by default. Um, we ran it like a military operation here. So we had school in the beginning, you know, in the morning uh, for elementary, and then we ran buses in the afternoon for the high school. So we, we really were able to do that. Um, then we were uh, able to be instrumental to get a matrix done in Oregon because we we're very conservative with the, with the um, COVID situation. And um, we were able to get a matrix worked out. So if you had certain number of cases in your county or numbers, you could you know, come back in school. And that was really important for us. We were very proud of that. That was the biggest thing. So strategically, what we did in the beginning was we, 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 wanted, we came in as a crisis leader. And right now, I, you know, it's funny because um, we have moved from uh, surviving to thriving, stealing some of your stuff. <laughs> so that's been important to us. But the first thing I did when I got here, um, it's always interesting when you have a new superintendent or new leader coming in. He or she comes in. They have to really understand the culture. And, and this is a, a different culture for me. I came to Lakeview when I was in my 30s to hang glide. So I always fell in love with this area here and hang gliding and things like that. So when I when I got here, um, you know, I'm older now, I don't hang glide anymore, but I do enjoy the outdoors. So I get to do that. But the part of the culture is really interesting here is there's a lot of American core values here that are still very ingrained in our community. Um, you know, agriculture, of course, is a huge part of our community. In addition, we're in that place where a lot of communities are, are going from traditional um, industrial and, and mom and pop shops and little uh, cottage industries. We're expanding that. We have a lot of people who come here because they want to get away from the urban setting. They want to have a place to raise their family, which is great. We have a foundation called the Daily Fund 
which is just fantastic. It's been just a hundred year anniversary. And um, our kids, if they graduate from high school and go on to post-secondary work, college, they get that paid for pretty much. Wow. So it's fabulous. So it's a really great foundation, one of the best ones in the country. So we have a lot of parents who come here. You have to be here from ninth grade all the way to 12th to be part of that. So we have a lot of people actually move here for that. It's like saving, Andrew. It's 100000 bucks, you know, so you can see why that's important. Um, but I guess the, the key thing is that coming into a new culture is pretty much understand the history. As a former social studies teacher, uh, the history is important to me. I mean, if we, you know, we always say we need to learn from history. Well, here it's important for me to understand why we do certain things. And then before you come up with a great idea, you ask what has happened in the past. Mm. So that was very important for me to take a step back because I'm one of those people who like to get things done. And, and, and again, I, there is a time to get things done. But in this part of my career, I'm a little slower um, with acting because of experience. I think that helps. It's been a very good fit for me. It's been a very good fit for our community. We have done a lot in a short period of time. We got daycare coming. We have childcare. We have preschool coming. Uh, we had a program last summer, and we had 17 different programs offered for our kids. And every kid got an opportunity, even with the COVID crisis going on. So, like, we had a CSI course, and we had state troopers come in and help teach this. And, oh, it's been fabulous. So we were able to do that last summer. So I guess what I'm, I'm saying, I capitalized. You learn, you understand the history of the culture, first, about the area. Take your time to do that. Second thing you do is you find out, you know, what people, the push, the push place, you know, how far can you push people to go as fast as you can? One of the gifts they gave me, and, and I'll have to show it to you, is a break. <laughs> they gave me a break. My minister <laughs> told me I need to get a break. I got to show you that. What? Hey, that's a great prop, uh, Michael. We talked about uh, uh, props when we were together. Oh, my goodness. So this is what my administrators gave me the uh, second, uh, second month I was here. So that is incredible. Yeah. And I think that probably is indicative of the culture. Sometimes, like I said, it really reminded me that you have to get the history and understand where people are coming from. You know, these are very intelligent people. They're very passionate and committed to their community. I've never seen one like it. And they're also very generous. But when they gave me the break, they said, listen, we're not telling you to slow down. We're telling you to pump the brakes a little bit. That's how you slow down. But in other words, don't stop. Pump the brakes, but don't stop. And I, I think love that's it. a great message. You need to bring that uh, to the coach there. That didn't make the sign either. That's a great prop. It's a great prop. And now you have a story to go with. Oh, it's a great story, too, because like I said, they, they didn't want me to stop. That was the big message. Don't stop changing. Don't stop getting this to become better because we tell everybody we want to move to the next level of success. That's our thing. Move to the next level of success. But they said, don't stop. But again, you need to pump the brakes occasionally. I love it. Michael, uh, my friend Jeff Evner uh, is also a superintendent in New York, and he uh, uh, is in a new district. He's watching. Uh, and Jeff, we you know we got a baby coming there. I'm very excited for you. Um, but along those lines, Michael, learning the culture. Someone told me, Andrew, don't take down a wall that you don't know why it was built, right? And yeah. learning the why. Oh, so true. tell tell me where you saw something. And said, oh, I, I don't like that. And and you you wanted to go, but you hit the brake, right? Was there something that you said, ah, you know, and, and you're waiting, right? You're a little more patient now, you know, so is there an yeah, example that you have there? That would be the, um, you know, the um, looking at the daily scholarship. It's been there for 100 years. And some of the criteria they established 100 years don't does not fit today's society. So we're going to, we're taking our time to modify that. So you just can't okay. go in there and say, hey, no, this is what we need to have more equitable. No, you have to take your time to understand that because some of our people on the committees in their 80s and they received the first or second daily scholarship. Wow. So it's very important to take your time 
traditions there. I mean, traditional GPAs and things like that are still part of it. You know, what do you do with the weighted GPA and all that? They never had that when they designed this scholarship. That's a very good example of a wall that's there. And everyone's heart is right. And it's for kids. But again, you have to, before you change something like that, you need to understand it all and make sure it's done equitably and then everyone understands it. And then also, it's going to be a four to six year change. It can't happen overnight. Sure, sure. That's a great example. Uh, Michael, I got to watch you a little bit in action at a conference, right? I got to watch you speak. I got to watch you interact. And I shared a little bit about uh, building relationships with people. Is that something you had to work at or is that just something that was your personality? And again, I shared about how you and I met and it was just, I don't know. This is like, wow, I can, this guy's easy to talk to. So well, I think, um, I think too, I come from a large family and that helps a lot because if you don't talk, you don't get you don't get listened to. <laughs> so everyone talks. It's funny. Um, it, it's a culture. The first time I brought a, a, a girl home from college to meet my parents, you know, she says, I can't, I can't handle your family. You got 12 kids <laughs> here and, and you know, I'm leaving. I can't. Uh, <laughs> out. And I go, what, what are you, what's your problem? She goes, you guys are fighting. I said, that's not fighting. That's just disgusting. This is talking. You know, that's just talking. So, you know, I, I, that was a big lesson for me as well. You know, um, learning to listen and learning to get to that place in relationships, that is important. I mean, so what I find, though, is our entire job is about relationships. Yes. And you mentioned that over and over again in your workshop and in your books. But again, the building the relationships, and I always tell people, are you cashing checks that you relate, you know, relationship checks you don't have in the bank? You have to build that bank account up so you can, you know, capitalize on the relationship piece. So I, I've, I've had to work hard at it. Because I like to, you know, be heard first before, you know, I go forward. And then now I'm really making a, a concerted effort to listen first, understand. And I think that's the best part about being a veteran administrator. You learn from your past mistakes and say, I don't have to do that again. But relationships are, are number one. I practice them all the time, Andrew. There's, it, is, it is easy to get into your own ego. It's easy to get in your own position. And it's easy to make sure that, you know, oh, I'm in charge and I'm, I'm the superintendent. You know, no, that's not it at all. You know, the bottom line is I'm in the same boat as you are. It's the same lifeboat, and we want to get to the place we need to be safely. I use that men against the sea, you know, uh, when you look back in that story and you talk about some of the greatest sailing in the world. You know, Captain Bly, we always hear the story about Fletcher Christian and all that stuff. Captain Bly and his crew, you know, 4,800 open mile sea miles and a great sailing thing. And that's what helps me remember we're in the same lifeboat. Our fate is all in it together. And if I build the right relationship and I keep building on those relationships and nurture them, we're going to get there safely. And not only that, we're going to do things great. So, yeah, relationships are number one. Is it natural? No, it's out of your comfort zone, no matter how much you like it. But like you said, occasionally you find someone click, you and I clicked, and those are really great because it's a natural. We look at each other, we see each other, it's fine. You know, but some people you don't because you don't know where they're coming from. And you have to go back and, and be very gentle and take your time. And I tell you what, relationships are well worth it. Yeah. You certainly model that and good for you about realizing that about yourself. Uh, another thing I noticed, you, you know, people go to conferences. Some people don't even go to the sessions, right? Some people are listening. Some people are checking their email. You are typing away and it looks like you're working. You are working, but yeah. you, you're absorbing that content. You took copious notes, your books, right? You have copious yeah. notes in your book. Tell me about absorbing that information and your style of writing it down? Well, I, I think it goes back to, um, you know, uh, I was raised in poverty and my family, the library was our friend. I mean, we got free books. We couldn't believe that system. I mean, even though I was a little kid, you know, we got, we get this and we get all this information free and mom and dad, four books a piece. Cause if we lost them, we were in trouble, you know, we couldn't afford them and even to have them late. So 
information is is the golden ticket it's the willy wonka you know education is the golden ticket that ticket got us out of poverty but also what what my parents said you know you, you don't learn just you learn for fun so i love to learn and i'm really i'm very slow and methodical about it but i take a lot of notes then i come back and write my cheat notes my cheat sheets i call them cliff notes i take all my cliff notes for every conference i've ever been to and then i cross reference it but I also do my homework. I mean, when I go to those conferences, I, I believe that I'm paying for it. I'm a public trust. I want them to know that I got my money's worth. Yeah. And I'm going to come back with those four or five things. So Monday, I will go in with four things from this last conference that I will share with all my administrative team. And every administrator that goes has to come back with at least two things they're going to share with the administrators. And I think that's important because that's why it also shows the board that we're accountable, shows people that we're accountable. And I can't even imagine skipping a conference. The only thing I've changed over my years though, if it's a conference, I start in a session and it's really not gonna be beneficial to me, I get permission to go to the other to another session. Yeah. Because sometimes you find a session that might not really fit what you need and then that's just gonna be a waste to you. It's also gonna be disrespectful to the speaker, whoever he or she is. I, I want to be present. So when I go to a conference, so I do, like you said, I take notes. And what I do is I condense those. I type a lot. And then I also, um, I get, I steal it. I'm a professional uh, plagiarist. I steal all your quotes, ideas, everybody. And it makes me a better, a better uh, administrator. It also stretches my personal learning because yeah. when, I learn something, when I hear something new, wow, it's great. It's a rubber band. Yeah. And you could tell you're well read and, and it's not stealing. And we said that at the conference, yeah. it's sharing, it's growing, it's learning. It and here you are doing it in the latter part of your career. So what were some takeaways? We got to spend a few uh, days together. Rachel George was outstanding uh, was. from Oregon. Um, what was a couple of takeaways that you are going to share? Well, the biggest takeaway for me that I got out of the four, one of them is that, you know, the responsibility of, of people in positions to elevate other people. I mean, that is huge. I mean, it's not just, it's just, it's commission for me now. It's become a, it's going to be a badge of honor for me. How many people can I get into this career and successfully help them launch their, launch mm -hmm. their career before I leave? Mm -hmm. So I set a personal goal of six more. I oh, want right. six people to be in the career and, 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 and working well. So I'm going to really work hard on that. That's a big takeaway. And it's also a consolidated effort, you know, and I really, I heard some very good things about that. The other thing was, they talked about, you know, the jungle gym, Rachel did in her book. Yeah. And that was really a powerful metaphor for me because a lot of times we think about that ladder going up and down and it's not, it's a jungle gym. And especially the way with COVID, people are getting educated differently. Schools are gonna look differently in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think leadership as well. So we need to look at some alternative ways to bring leaders in, not the traditional thing. I'm a coach, I'm, I'm an advisor, you know, I'm doing all these things. No, there's some other ways. We have some people now who have, who have come, back, come back as counselors or something, the different, different things. So that jungle gym piece is huge for me. That's the second one I'm gonna bring. The third thing I'm gonna bring is talk about the value of scenarios and the group thinking. When you do that exercise with scenarios, it's really fascinating to watch body language yes. and to see how people look at that, Andrew. And you know, you, you see it firsthand up there as a speaker because you can see the whole audience. But I watched just a couple of tables and it was really fascinating to watch people go, Oh, I can see that. I never thought about that. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's the important part that a group think is very important. It's very easy to make a decision, but I'm still doing it with my focus and my um, frame of mind. By having anyone else, that's the, the, so I'm gonna, the, the, the third point would be expand your frame, your reference, you know, and that's going to be final is taking care of yourself. That seemed to be a theme all yes. the way through, especially with, with COVID. So those are the four things I'm going to share with my administrative team on Monday. Um, and I'm going to share a couple of that with my, I have a board meeting tonight, a couple of things to show them. I want the board to hear too, what we brought back, 
you know, um, from the conference and how we're going to implement that. But I think taking care of ourselves is huge. I'm going to pass it on to my board because they've got beat up pretty heavy with COVID. A lot of board members, you know, a lot of school school administrators. And of course, we forget the boards got beat up by their community. Yeah. They've gone to school with these people all the time. And they said, we have to keep the rules. And some people disagree with the rules. So mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that's going to be one of the things. I'm, those are the four things I'm going to share on Monday. Well, and you're modeling them too, Michael. You know, you're a big dude. You're a big guy. And I was a little tired in those mornings and kind of dragging myself to the gym. And who was there, right? I saw you getting some dynamic movement going in. Is is exercise part of your daily routine? Is that something that you get done every morning? You try to do it after school? When do you, when yeah, do you fit that in? The older I get, the um, it's down to six times a week. I used to be seven, you know, to nine. And now I'm down to six times a week because I'm getting older. But, but I do it in the morning. And I found that out. The only way I can do it, it's the only part of my schedule I can control. Yeah. I found if I did it in the evenings, or after school in the afternoon, there's things that happen. Also, a meeting might supposed to be. So I'm going to work out between six and eight. Then I find that if I personally work out too late, I have a hard time sleeping. So I get up early and work out. It also helps me. Um, it, like I said, it's like making my bed. It's a routine. No matter what, my bed's always made. Even the stupid ho- in the in session say stupid. in the hotel. Even I find myself making the bed. I'm going. Okay, <laughs> let me go. You, sometimes you can relax. Uh, I go on vacation with a lot of friends and family and. It's always funny. They say, you're a different person on vacation. I am because I, I can actually let some of the, the discipline. But um, exercise is not a uh, – it's it's a must. To yeah. me, it's like, it's like drinking water. It's just, it's just part of your life to make you healthy. And you're not just talking it, though. You're doing it. Speaking of exercise, Michael, like, again, I was fascinated. You played Division One college basketball, Oklahoma State. You're a big, a big dude. What are some what are some takeaways from there that experience that that carry, you carry now with you as a leader? Well, I think the most important part is first of all um, coming from uh, the Bay Area, and then going to even a different part of the country. Wow, I learned so much because all this group comes together artificially, you know, for a purpose, but it's artificial, and there you know you got sixteen different states yeah. or regions brought in, and that's that's the part that's fascinating. Then we're going to a one culture wherever we're at. So like if you wind up going to your neck of the woods, you know, <laughs> you, you get a whole new culture if you're from Alabama. You get a whole new culture from Arizona or, or New Mexico or something and everywhere. I think that's the most important part to realize that we're all the same. We're Americans and we're coming together and we're going to share our culture. What I really enjoyed about um, playing is uh, living with my teammates. You know, not just, you know, I always hear people say, oh, I have to get a, I got a roommate, you know, in college. I always laugh at that. Well, that's nothing. Wait till you travel, you know, 32 different places. And you as a former official, you know what that's like. Every time you show up in a new gym, you get a whole new culture, a whole new experience. And there are some commonalities. You have the rules. That helps us a little bit. But, you know, there's no rules when you're living with somebody or you're eating food nine or ten times or someone's doing something that's causing problems. Or if someone plays poorly and you know what, they were out too late last night. You know, and that's what I'm talking about. You hold each other accountable. So that is huge. I, that's one of the biggest things I learned from the team. You hold each other accountable. And it's a nice way. It's loving because we're all in this together. So, like, even now, I ask my administrative team when they meet with me, you know, every other week I meet with every administrator. And he or she comes in and they tell me, I ask them one question, give me something to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And, boy, that's a tough question for them. But a lot of times now they feel very comfortable. Michael, you need to do this for me. You need to do this for the district. Or you said you were going to do this, and I haven't seen that yet. And I tell you what, when I hear that from a couple of them, that really is huge for me. Because uh, as a teammate, that was what made a team very successful for me. 
you know, you go through teammates and teams, teams, you know, they lose a family member, you know, their breakups with a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, somebody dies, you know, there's all kinds of things that happens to a team. And you say, well, how come that team fell apart? You might not know what that team fell apart. That team might have not, didn't fall apart. They should have collapsed, but yeah. they made it through these trials we never hear of. You know, and I think that's the greater part that we transform or form it to uh, administration. I also really appreciated, um, you know, my coaches because what happened was I watched them play their specific roles. And I think that's important because I tell everybody that, you know, um, everyone's role is vital. And as you know, even our team manager, team manager forgets one or two things, we're all miserable. You know, and, I mean, we're all MVP there. right there. <laughs> exactly, and, I, and I'm just trying to talk about it. And that, that, that's what's even the sports announcers and the, and the people who commentaries, people from your home. You know, you you learn to work with him or her, and you learn that you no, know, they're going to ask you a couple questions. And you know, it's really hard. And you you probably can tell it. In fact, I'm looking forward to reading your book because I know there's probably a couple stories in there where the emotion is so high, and then they come and ask you some question that you feel could be completely irrelevant. You know, I love the question, well, why do you guys think you lost tonight? Well, we didn't score enough points. I mean, you know, you want to come back with a sarcastic answer, you know, and, and, and it's amazing now. And if you look at coaches 30 years ago compared to what they're doing now, man, they media training and everything. And they train they train athletes. You know, the, the role of emotions is when I was in the university, whenever I used to teach, you know, athletics and, and, and talk about coaching and things, I would, one of the papers I assigned was the role of emotions in sports. And I think that's the same thing for administrators. We have to have that emotional piece. And that came back in our conference too, Andrew, we just got back. You know, the role of emotions, you know, sometimes we're like we just had a staff member die, you know, a couple months ago. Mm. And here, here she comes back and she's one of our best staff members ever, great staff member. And all of a sudden she dies and we're all like, wow, it, it's, part of, it's part of life. And trying to get through that and, and acknowledge it. And you can imagine a whole group of kids. That was her teacher who passed away. Oh, so, I mean, I'm just saying that, yeah, the, the sports are great artificial means to create us for life. And I have lifetimes friends from it, but also the same thing as administrators, we can learn so much from it, you know, and I think that's important. And I also go back to what I loved about um, playing and also coaching is that, you know, you plan your stuff, you do the best you can. And then come from me back and, and I, as a coach, and, and I've heard my coaches come back and say, I lost that one for us. I mean, wait a second, you weren't out there playing coach. Yeah, but I could have done this, this, and this. It would have made us better. Mm -hmm. And as administrators, we take that responsibility. You know what? That was a false start. We didn't do well in this program. This curriculum is great. We all did the homework, but we didn't do well implemented. And I take responsibility for that as a coach or as an administrator. So I think there's huge, um, huge lessons, and I can't, I can't think it enough. And also, what a great way to get school paid for. Play the game you love. Got to play in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. What a what a great 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 takeaways there, Michael, and and just you know so natural, right? You related it so natural. Was there a was there an extreme experience, a high or an extreme low, that you know we remember those, right? We remember those moments. Yeah. Is there is there one that stands out to you, like? Yeah, uh, there was one in Texas. We were playing in East Texas, and um, you know I had a player that um, you know who would who would come from. Um, he actually came from junior college and he went on to want to spend some time in prison, came back and he had a couple of years of eligibility. He was uh, he spit on people on purpose, you know, and that's hard for officials to catch, as you know, <laughs> you know, and that was the back of the time when uh, where you know, AIDS and things were there. and People were panicking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I uh, 
you know, I finally, and the coach, coach calls timeout and yells at me, you know, what's wrong with you, Carter? You know, you're, you're letting this person beat you up and blah, blah, blah. And they said, coach, he's spitting on me. He goes, what are you going to do about it, Carter? Well, Carter got out there and yeah, lost his cool, you know, almost didn't punch him, but let him have it. Wow. You know, and, and, and I think that was, and that was really interesting because that was close to my home, you know, where I was living at the time mm. and all the, there's a lot of fans came. So in front of 400 of the youth, I was going to wind up coaching, you know, in the summer here, I'm setting this example and here I get kicked out of a game. And that really was probably with a turning point in my, my life to, to, to take sports to, you know, to my life yeah. that, you know, who's going to let you, who's going to take you out of your game. I mean, who's going to take you out of your game? And I think that's what it is. I mean, this guy and I, and I, you know, I have, I've tried to find him because I was going to get in touch with him and apologize for my behavior when I was, you know, 20 years old. But the bottom line was his behavior took me out of my game and that hurt the team that hurt me. And it also, um, it resulted in me making a poor decision and doing something that I would not never do. I mean, I would, you know, and, and I think that is that is the part that I always ask everyone, even now in administration, what's going to take us out of your game? What's going to take you out of, you know, your leadership ability? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be your attitude? Is it going to be someone else's attitude? Is it going to be someone else's behavior? And that is the most important lesson I think I learned in all the years. I mean, it sounds terrible, but yeah. it get kicked out of a game for because I, you know, I, I, I let someone else take me out of my game. You know, 201 show here, like, and, and I give I give the questions ahead of time. Sometimes we go off script. That 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 was not on the questions, right? And you no. that story, and it's still here 30 plus years later had a deep impact on you. That that's an incredible story. And what a what a great leadership question, right? Who is taking you out of your game, and how do you not allow that? That was that was awesome, Michael. Oh, thanks. But it, it's it, it's just what it's helped me through a whole lot, even in my personal life. You know, yeah. what is going to take you out of your game? What's going to make you not perform the level you normally can or will or could? Awesome answer. And again, appreciate Jeff uh, watching it. Jeff's putting a lot of quotes in the chat. If you are watching live, jump in. Uh, but Jeff's right. Yeah, routines make us better leaders. And he quoted a lot of your your, your things there, Michael. Um, Michael, you know, where do you see this all going? You mentioned about COVID changing education. You know, where do you see us going in the next five to ten years? Well, if you look back, I go all the way back to 1983, latchkey kids, you know, they talked about a nation at risk. And you look at some of the correlations. So I actually pulled that back out, you know, in January and compared it to some of the crisis we had then. And, you know, it's interesting that some of the crises are still there. And one of the things we talked about was the use of technology. And even that was the technology that's starting then. So COVID has been a very, I think it's accelerated us five to 10 years. Everyone now has one-on-one. -on -one. There was a time with all the districts, you look at it, we'll try to get one-on-one. -on -one. We'll try to get teachers how to use technology. Right, right now, we're able to have this discussion, you know, and, and share it with our, with our, our, our colleagues. Yeah, and, live. And, and do it live. And then and we're three and a half hours, three hours away. I mean, three-hour time difference. And then all the other things. So I think that's fabulous. And, you know, where I live, this has been a very big game changer. Before, if I wanted to go to a meeting in Salem, it was a two-day thing. I left at mm -hmm. night and got there. So I think that COVID now has brought us into a place where maybe maybe Carnegie units might go away. It's going to take some time, but I think for the first time I see I see that, and that was what they talked about, you know, in the Nation at Risk in 1983. I think that's ironic, you know, and that's one of the papers I'm going to write for a journal. That's my new goal. But you know, I look at that and say, wow, 
they're talking about Carnegie units that our system's been designed a hundred some years ago, and we're still following these time constraints and units of learning. I think COVID's changed that right now. Yeah. I think I think that right now we can oh people can work at home, people can do certain things now. School jobs are, might be a little different, but I'm just trying to point out though that what if those two you know those two words are going to be huge now. So I think we can use COVID as a springboard to a real nice dive. Great answer. Michael, uh, you dress sharp. You have a suit on today. We talked a little bit out there. Why, why is it important to, to look the part? Why is that something that you uh, still it, it continue probably, to do? Yeah, it's probably a generational thing. I mean, I'm an older guy, but I mean, I, I, I put on my suit. And, and then when I go in there, the kids ask what tie I'm wearing. I have a whole bunch of ties. I have ties. From the, I never wear the same tie twice. You know, and then the kids always ask some questions, and it's kind of fun. And, and and I have some really colorful ones, but it's bored me tonight, so a little more conservative. You know, I just tell you that up front. But um, you know, I learned that when I was an elementary principal. I mean, ties were huge, and I had some fun ties out there. But it's also it, it helps me put on. It's like when I prepared for a game in college. You went through a routine, and it's the same thing. When I get up in the morning, I go work out. I drink this. I go and I make my bed. But when I come to work, you know I'm at work. This is it. Now, what's really fun, though, Andrew, and you know this better than anybody, is that whenever I do come out of my suit, I mean, I've had people with the grocery store, even at my size, they don't recognize me because I'm not in my suit. You know? <laughs> and I was at a game once at a high school game. In fact, this last year, I was sitting there and somebody says, well, I never see the superintendent. He never shows up. With the, you know, oh, I see him a couple times. No, he's never shown up. I said, hey, guys, how you guys doing? I'm right behind him. Because <laughs> I, I was in, you know, I was in shorts and, and you know, I, but what I'm saying, though, is I believe that, you know, it's like whenever I want a kid to get up and give a speech or something, and they're doing something, they're representing the school or themselves or an organization that they believe in, you need to dress the part. And, I, you know, and that's what I mean. So I think that um, that's why I do it, to be very yeah. honest. It also gives me a mindset. It helps me prepare. It's just yeah. like double two pair of socks and lacing my shoes. I have a routine. You're even the necktie. And that thing is perfect. It is right. <laughs> you are spot on. Uh, Michael, we have a few more minutes. What is something that uh, you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Um, well, I think that the key thing is right now, um, I would like people to look at, you know, everyone can be a leader. That was talked about in our conference. You know, we don't have to have a title to be a leader. And I think that's awesome. And I think that we, that's another thing of COVID right now. We saw some people step up, you know, in a different, in a, in a crisis. And I think that that's what we need to look at, too. So I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone to realize administration right now. We're going to have a shortage of administrators out there. We do now, but there's going to be a lot more. This is a great job. It's a great career. I did not plan to be a superintendent. I didn't even plan to be a teacher. And then when I became a teacher, last thing I wanted to do was become an administrator. And then, you know, finally, I got pushed by some mentors. So the value of mentorship, I would like to really push that, you know. Yeah. What if you've been given the opportunity and been I've been mentored by some wonderful people still still are still am mentored by some great people, and then when I'm mentored by them, every time I try to give them something back, send them coffee, send them a, a bottle of, of their favorite beverage or something, they say no. I want you to pay it forward. Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking everybody: step up, take the leadership role. It's one of the most wonderful jobs in the world. Well, I'm happy to be the recipient of the coffee that was maybe supposed to go to someone else because you, I've got a few bags of coffee now, uh, Oregon coffee out there, incredible. Um, Michael, we're we're going to be together again soon. You have the, uh, the 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 small schools conference coming up on the beautiful coast, the Pacific Coast. What is, what is your hope uh, with this as the executive director? I, I think as executive director, the key thing is for us that I have I have four board members going off. 
So, I mean, and people don't realize, but join a state organization, get in some of these, and this is how you get legislation changed. Yeah. This is how we were able to stay open and get and become sort of the pilots. Um, I, I tell everybody, well, I don't have time for that. I'm going to come back and question you. You don't have time. You must make time for that. You know, Plato talked about if you don't get involved with politics, you're going to have inferior people rule over you. And I think I mentioned that to you earlier this week. And, and that's true. So politics is we have a negative connotation. It's not. Politics is just relationships and talking and getting policy that's sound. Mm -hmm. So get involved with your state organization. And like our small school association, what we're hoping to do is bring in some new ones. I've been personally invited, sent uh, personal emails, and I've sent personal notes, handwritten notes. People come to the conference. When you come, I, I'm buying you dinner or I'm buying your first beverages on me. I'm just trying to get them there to realize that state organizations and national organizations are our organizations. Yes. And be part of the, of the, of the solution rather than just you know, sit on the sideline. Awesome stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and certainly want to be part of the success yeah. of the conference. We're excited about having you. I tell you what, everyone, we got a lot of great people coming because of you. So thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Michael, rapid fire. I know you got a board meeting. I know you got stuff tonight. Yeah. These are quick answers. This is a last second shot. Okay. You got to bring the heat. You ready? Yep. Last book you read. Uh, she leads Rachel George. Great. You had notes in there. It was great. Uh, last movie you saw? Uh, the Grand Seductor. Uh, it's about the about New Finland when they tried to get a doctor and they made their whole community lie. It's fabulous. Favorite journal uh, that you subscribe to? Um, well, I do the um, What Schools Could Be out of out of Stanford. Yeah, that is, yeah. That is good. Favorite place to travel? I, this, oh. this could be a whole separate show. <laughs> New Zealand. Yeah, wow. Love South Island, love the North Island, Picton, all that, Dunedin. I love it. Two recent wins you want to share? Um, we got we got uh, we got a great grant. We're one of the three districts in the state of Oregon. We have the smallest one for um, mindfulness and and helping uh, helping get micro certifications to help people with uh, with health concerns and also mental health. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Michael, you're very easygoing. You're you know again warm to talk to. What's a what's a pet peeve of yours? What's something that gets under your skin? <laughs> follow through. Lack of follow through. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always tell everybody if we can under promise and over deliver. And you said that a lot in your story, saying, Andrew, you know, make sure you give it, make sure you show up, be present. But I really think that that's a that's a lost art. Follow through is important. You know, I, I, I effort if you're if you follow, even if you're not successful, but if you follow through and, and, and say what you're going to do, it really means a lot. to everybody. Yeah. yeah. At 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel fill in the blank. <laughs> I feel excellent. I feel absolutely excellent. I just, I love Saturday mornings. Usually I'm, I'm going hiking or I plan my stuff out, but Saturday mornings is a great time in the morning for me because I'm usually reading something or watching. I watch one foreign film a week. So that's usually when I do it with a cup of coffee and it's just fabulous. Leading with gratitude is important because? Uh, because it's the, it's the part that's, I call it the creamy white filling between two cookies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have not heard gratitude described in that way before. I mean, that's what I mean. People, people want it, you know. You're you're thankful for them and everything. And two cookies, yeah. but that cream of white fillings what makes it worthwhile. I love it. Uh, best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life. Gift cards. Thank you cards, gift cards. I mean, I they're the gift to keep giving, and you can buy a whole pack of them for a hundred bucks. You get a lot of them, and it really is wonderful. When I visit Lake County, Oregon, your hometown, right now, what, where where are you going to take me? Uh, Cottonwood or up to the ski lodge, depending on what time you're coming. 
So we got Cottonwood's one of the best hikes in my life that I love by the lake. And then the other place is a ski lodge, which is seven miles away. You had some interesting friends on your last hike there. I did. Sand cranes up at almost 8,000, 7,000 something feet. So amazing. <laughs> uh, one thing you love about Oregon? Uh, the people and um, the climate. Something about Michael Carter that people do not know about. Oh boy. Um, I rode in the 100th anniversary of the Rose Parade. I was on the Burger King education float doing this for four and a half miles. You know, uh, that was quite quite an experience. I never thought I would get the opportunity to do that, but oh. that was fabulous. So uh, yeah, the 100th anniversary of the Rose Parade. So that's a different place to look at the Rose Parade from there. Michael, you're involved with your state organization, Lake County. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can call me. They can email me. My phone number is 541 947 Three three four seven. They're calling right now. I just, just I just <laughs> put them on hold. <laughs> they just called right now. Somebody did. Five four one nine four seven three three four seven. My email is Carter Michael at Lakeview K one two dot O R dot US. Again, you call or email me, I'll get back to you. And uh, again, Michael is modeling the stuff he talked about today because I've seen it in action. Michael, this was a, a home run. Uh, I love quotes. Uh, is there is there one you want to share as we exit here? Henry David Thoreau, if you build your castles in the air, fret not, for that's where they should be. Now build the foundation under them. Ooh, say that one more time. If you build your castles in the air, fret not, for that's where they should be. Now build the foundation under them. That is beautiful. Well, Henry David Thoreau is one of my heroes, transcendentalist, Damon Emerson. Wow. Let's get two claps for uh, Michael Carter here. I don't want to play my going out music, guys. I don't know what's going on with Facebook, but I don't want them to cut the show off. This was a great show, Michael. Uh, well, thank you. you are, yeah, you're really modeling out there, um, and you're good for education, right? You you are going to bring in more administrators, and you are mentoring uh, those people. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. See All you right. Later. Bye -bye. Stay on the line a second, Michael. This is uh, show number 201. We are going to sign off here uh, on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Uh, please leave us a, a comment or a question. Jeff, we appreciate you uh, uh, jumping in here. I talked about his dad here wearing the, uh, uh, the, the suits also. Jeff, good luck with the baby. Uh, guys, I'd love for you to get up a copy of Tales from the Hardwood. It is live on Amazon right now. And if I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out on Twitter at Andrew Murata 21. I know Mr. Carter is going to be adding a Twitter handle very soon. <laughs> Signing off 201. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Keep surviving and thriving.